Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to August. The following people have pledged their support on Patreon to support the podcast. And because of these kind people, I am able to put the podcast out on a consistent basis. So I want to thank David and Jennifer Von Evers, Jeff Ulmer, Sylvan Groth, Liz Brunson, Yetta, Steve Van Sack, Rob Barnett, Randy Brown, Bella Pori, John Munson, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosek, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. Thanks, everyone, for the support. If you want to be part of the Patreon family and get unique, unedited episodes in video, please go to patreon.com, search for Set Lusting Bruce, and you can support for as little as $5 a month. Thank you, everyone. Now on to the show. Um, so my son, my older son, um, had some severe developmental delays and I decided to go part-time to, and go back to school and learn about health. And, um, and so all that happened was the part-time part was that I got paid less, but they still called me when I was at home and, you know, and I thought there's no boundaries here. I've been to the emergency room twice thinking I'm having a heart attack, but it's a panic attack. Um, and so finally my son was a good enough reason for me to leave. And when I did coaching and when I did life coaching, I would tell people that story because I'd say how ridiculous that I, I had to wait until a good enough reason, which was my son, like my soul, my inner child, like there was a good enough reason from day one, but it didn't, it didn't seem good enough until someone else needed me. And then, you know, I was able to make that change. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Uh, we are getting off the Bruce train, though I'm sure he will come up. And we're on the legal comedian, you know, <laughs> boxcar, maybe. Uh, I have Rachel. Rachel. Uh, that is on the phone with me, and I am ecstatic uh, because your journey sounds amazing. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited yeah. to be Tell us a little about yourself. So, um, yeah, I guess if I'm going to be part of the train, maybe the caboose, I think, would be like an appropriate place <laughs> to put me. Um so I was an attorney for 10 years, uh, practiced law. I did business litigation and I was general counsel, um, left that and got into the coaching world. Just, um, I actually went through the nutrition coaching just for personal reasons, and then kind of fell in love with the idea of transformation and, um, started a coaching business. And then last year, well, I, I had a podcast before, but I revamped the podcast and relaunched it and tried to bring in the comedy and the, and the coaching and like kind of create inspirational comedy um, in podcast form. And so I've really been kind of committed to that the last year. Well, we certainly, with everything going on, we could certainly use the humor and the inspiration. Uh, it now's, now's a really odd time. Uh, and I guess, People would say it's always an odd time, depending on where you're coming from, from your perspective. 
well, I am thrilled. We're going to talk. We're going to talk your journey, your podcast, but I always like to start at the beginning. So where did you grow up and what kind of music did you listen to growing up? So I grew up in Newport Beach, California, and I listened to, I guess it would be considered alternative, you know, music. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. How about um, your parents? My parents listened to, you know, they weren't huge. I don't have a lot of memories of their music. Um, I know that they would pay, play the oldies station, which now all my songs are played on. So, you know, it's just a generational thing. It is, isn't it? That 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 time period, if it's, you know, 15, 20 years, just always keeps moving forward. So, uh, you know, like I graduated high school in 77. um, So I'm really old. But, you know, it's hard to believe that like in 75, 76, you know, the time of happy days was only 20 years, you know. So that's why, you know, now when you can set a sitcom like in the 90s, right, It because it has that revolving door kind of that keeps changing on us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they weren't big music people, but you uh, were, it was with me, it was an AM clock radio. So what was it with you? How are you, uh, how are you consuming your music for a a teenage, you know, when you're Um, finding that? I I had one of those uh, black kind of radios that had two cassette players in it. Um, that you could, you know, take her. I mean, I had a pink one. I had various forms of, you know, basically a boom box that I took with me. Sure. Uh, to room. Mm-hmm. And uh, siblings. Yeah, I have. And actually we had an eight track player as well. And I remember um, using that. I mean, it was, it was a, you know, oldie, but goodie back. And, and, and we had a record player actually, cause I still have the collection of albums. I know they had Elvis and I still have that album, which I play all the time. So, so we have that, um, growing up, I had, um, a younger sister and a younger brother. And then my younger brother passed away when I was 12 and he was six. And then when I turned 14, my parents had my baby sister. Mm-hmm. Were you an influence to the younger siblings of music wise? Um, you know, I was that kind of bratty older sibling that was like, get out of my room. This is Uh my, you know, the biggest influence I think I probably had was that I had a poster of from the, um, I think it was the American music awards of Madonna and Huey Lewis together. And I had that poster on my wall. Um, and so my little sister, my, my middle sister, um, kind of got some of the influences, that way just watching me but i i i should have embraced her and brought her under my wing and mentored her in music and if i could go back i would but um sadly i did not do that you know a lot of times um i siblings come up a lot on the podcast and uh there usually is where if you're the younger you're influenced by the older sibling or if you're the older sibling, you influence. But every once in a while, you get one where uh, they rebel. Like if your older, um, if your older brother or sister was into grunge, you may discover, you know, reggae or you know, you know, hip hop, and so that that can happen. Um, yeah. I, I'm, excuse me, just for a minute, getting serious. But um, I just lost my brother in February. Um, it was, um, cancer, uh, it was while not unexpected, it's, um, you know, it's painful. And I had someone on the podcast recently who talked about grief, who said that siblings are the forgotten, um, the forgotten and, you know, grievers that a child losing their parent is absolutely horrible. Then verse it around a parent losing a child, just unbelievable. And but you tend to not think about brothers and sisters losing one another, uh, siblings to keep it non-binary, um, because in many cases 
that's your first friend and that's the first person you've spent your life with. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your brother? Yeah. Yeah. I would. And, and I'm sorry that you lost. I mean, it's such a, it is a hard thing and you're right. It is the for, forgotten griever. And, um, and at my, the young age that I was, you know, my parents losing my, it was an accidental, um, passing. He choked on a ball. Mm. Um, it's, you know, my dad, the, just the other day asked me, uh, did we get you into therapy? Did we get you the things that you needed? And I said, you know, I, you, you put me in, but I told mom, I didn't want to go. And she took me out. And I said, but honestly, from where I'm sitting now, I can say, I don't know how you held it together. I don't, I did there's no expectation as a mom now of two boys and my boys are, um, the, this year, my older son was the age, well, last year, the age that I was when my brother passed and my younger son was the age that my brother was. So they had that kind of same age gap as we did. And I just looking at them, I now see how traumatic it would have been for me because watching them, they fight and they love each other and that, you know, everything. Um, and it's just, you know, again, going back to that time, I don't know how my parents did it. I don't, I didn't get what I needed, but I have no, no blame on them. I have no expectation that they could have even been in the right mindset. And so, um, from being a mom and looking at the siblings and their relationship, it's, heartbreaking because it is your first friend. It is your, um, you know, when you have a memory or it's like one long private joke, you know what I mean? They're the people that will get how quirky your parents are or the neighbors or, you know, the weird, like when I was young, one of these weird neighbors like pulled a gun on me and my friends. And it's like, there's only a few people that, you know, know that story and remember that story. And your siblings are just always, whether, whether in your youth, you appreciate it or not, they're always there until they're not. And then it's heartbreaking. It, it truly is. And it, um, I think about my sister and I, um, were talking the other day and we said that we, with no offense to anyone else, um, our mother is in a nursing home. She had had a stroke last July, and so she is needing long-term care. And we made the very tough decision to not tell her about my brother's passing oh. um, just because she can't get up and she she's not always there. Yeah. And so uh, my sister and I were talking about that. And a lot of times we feel alone. Yeah. Right. Because even though, you know, my mom has tons of grandchildren and, and you know, and we have a beautiful, you know, she has a wonderful husband and wonderful daughters and I have a great son and a beautiful wife, but it, it, it's the only one, right? No one else exactly understands exactly what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting how just in life and that this is actually why I started my podcast, you can be surrounded by people and still feel so alone. Um, I just, you know, like, I just kind of wanted to let you know, like, I get what you're saying about that feeling alone, even yeah. with people around it's, it's yeah. situational, you know? Yeah, there is a one, and uh, I usually will quote, um, you know, I will use you, I will usually quote Bruce, but there is a, um, Chuck Brodsky wrote a song that uh, a friend of mine, Sarah Hickman ended up covering and Sarah is um, at one time was the official state musician of Texas. She's had a very um, under the radar, but successful career. And um, says, sometimes you'll stumble. Sometimes you'll just lie down. Sometimes you'll get lonely with all these people around. Yeah. And it just, right. It's there. Yeah. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So, all right, beep, changing subject. (laughs) We got deep there for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Why law? Uh, my dad was it was a lawyer. My, okay. my so you feel like it was the family business? Well, yes, and also we would watch Matlock together growing up. So I just you know was like I want to do that. And spoiler alert, like the law was nothing like Matlock. I wasn't solving crimes and making people's lives better and mysteries and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I I spent ten years of my life like living a lie, you know, trying to be Matlock and my dad. Um, and I mean, obviously it was very rewarding, but, um, there was a lot of ego in it that kept me in it Mm -hmm. and, um, wanting to make sure that I didn't let my dad down, which was just a story in my head, right? He, he didn't have any agenda for me like that at all. I know some people's parents do, but mine didn't. And I just forced myself to stay in this really stressful situation because I thought I should, um, but Were you good I, at it? yeah, actually I was, um, general counsel is like a very, everybody kind of wants to do that because there's no billable hours. Um, I loved writing briefs and, you know, I, I did go to trial second chair, a couple trials, which was the goal, but you know, 90% of your time you're reading discovery responses and sitting, just shuffling papers, doing stuff that doesn't feel like it's making anyone's life any better, you know, sure. and being in the conflict of it. So, um, I mean, I still use my legal skills. Uh, yesterday I had to sign a media release and I was like, this seems really, you know, overly broad. <laughs> I'm not signing <laughs> this. I'm sure a lot of people sign this, but I'm going to, I'm going to like, it was a form, so you can't change it, but I changed the picture that I wanted to submit based on my understanding of, you know, so I still, you know, I wrote a cease and desist letter the other day because I just feel, you know, empowered to do things like that. But so it, it wasn't wasted, um, but it definitely wasn't the track that I was meant to be on for my entire life. Can you can you pinpoint the moment you said I got to change? Uh, yeah, it was the first year that I practiced, but I waited 10 years. I was <laughs> sitting in downtown Los Angeles um, in this high rise building. And I was thinking about um, all the people that they had publicized it, you know, it was right after 9-11 and people had jumped for a different reason, but it made me think of people that jumped out of skyscrapers that just 
didn't want to do the life that they were doing. And I remember thinking, I don't want to do that, but I can really understand how someone would feel like that was a best, a good option. If they felt like I can't tell my dad that I, I want to quit being a lawyer, this seems like it'll be just an easier route, which we know is not an easier route, but absolutely. I remember just kind of empathizing, like this must be where they are when they go, I'm just going to do that instead. And that was my first year as an attorney. And I stayed in it, like I said, for 10 years. So yeah, I can definitely well, I still remember that moment. Well, And you, so you stuck with it 10 years. What was the final tipping point? Um, so my son, my older son, um, had some severe developmental delays and I decided to go part-time to, and go back to school and learn about health. And, um, and so all that happened was the part-time part was that I got paid less, but they still called me when I was at home and, you know, and I thought there's no boundaries here. I've been to the emergency room twice thinking I'm having a heart attack, but it's a panic attack. Um, and so Finally, my son was a good enough reason for me to leave. And when I did coaching and when I did life coaching, I would tell people that story because I'd say how ridiculous that I I had to wait until a good enough reason, which was my son, like my soul, my inner child, like there was a good enough reason from day one, but it didn't, it didn't seem good enough until someone else needed me. And then, you know, I was able to make that change. You know. I never know where the right line is between self-care, being selfish, being, uh, you know, they fought the fight. They had a dream and they never gave it up. Well, maybe it was yeah. a bad dream, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm always, I, I, I find that interesting because if you end up, becoming successful uh, if you're Kurt Warner where you do take the long path and end up being you know an MVP uh, quarterback it's a wonderful story if you yeah. spend your whole career in the minor league baseball and never do anything and move your family around it is that worth the price and and I think only individuals can make that decision, right? You, yeah. you, we can't judge other people's decisions. No, definitely not. But I think that individuals speaking as this individual, yeah. um, oftentimes don't know. They don't like, I had to give myself permission to change my mind. And I also had to give myself encouragement to believe in and invest in myself. You know, like um, there's this book, uh, Think and Grow Rich, that I, there's a chapter called Persistence. And I did this assignment where I read the chapter every day for 90 days. And it really drilled in. If you have a dream that you are, um, it's like a burning desire, then you just keep going. There's no end. You just keep going. But sometimes what I've found is you get onto a desire to take you somewhere and then you, you reach the end of where that was desire was supposed to take you. And then you get a new desire. And so like even coaching, I was like, oh my God, I love this. I love changing people's lives. And, and then it got very clear that like, I wanted to do something that felt more expansive and less like intimate in the sense of like, you know, other people's um, energy, because um, as far as wanting to help other people, it's you, you have to let people want that for themselves. You, how big of a transition was it for you? Were you, did you second guess yourself or because you were taking care of your son, you, you knew in your mind, I'm doing the right things, but because he was your get out of corporate law free card. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I didn't question leaving, but I questioned what am I doing with my life now? It was kind of like, it was very clear. And I think probably people don't leave because they don't see what's next. And one of my coaches, Kyle, um, he says, you can't see what you're going to gain. You can only see what you're going to lose. So you can only measure what you're going to lose, right? I'm going to lose this 
prestige. I'm going to lose this, all the money that I spent. I'm going to lose this salary. You don't see what you're going to gain from leaving a situation that's not serving you. And so most people either stay or they leave and then they don't know what to do next. And then they kind of self like implode because it's kind of like, I shouldn't have done that. But these are two separate issues. You don't want to do that anymore. That for me was clear. What I want to do next, I don't know. But should I stay there that I know I don't want to do anymore until I figure it out? No, because there's not space for me to figure out what I want to do while all my energy is going to this job that's like sucking everything out of me. Um, so I think I kind of stumbled across coaching because I, I desired to find out nutritional changes that I could make for my son. And when I was in the school, they taught me about, you know, spirituality and they taught about the importance of relationships, which, you know, but it's like this holistic health view. And I started for one minute doing health coaching. And when my first client quit her job that she had planned to quit in two years, but quit after one call, and then her life like exploded in a really good way. I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to help people leave things that they don't like so that they can have this better epic life. Um, but I couldn't have planned that. I couldn't have known that that's where I was. I mean, I spent so much time Googling, you know, law, non-law jobs for lawyers. I was like, really like, what else can I do? What else can I do? And if I would have done any of those things, I have my broker's license because you can, in California, you can just sit and I haven't done one real estate transaction, nor do I want to, but it was right. kind of like, maybe I should do this. That was not the right, you know, lateral move for me. The, I, I love the idea. And sometimes um, I'm a big believer, right? That when, when you choose one thing, you're choosing, you're not choosing something else. Almost everything in life is a choice. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite advice was of all things at a Weight Watchers meeting. Okay. And um, the, the leader was first off the funny story someone was saying i have trouble getting my water down and someone said oh well you know what i do is i put a couple of lemons in the water and i put some sweet and low and then it's like lemonade and the leader goes no that is lemonade <laughs> don't kid yourself okay yeah uh but um she said what we do is we see a piece of cake and we want the cake and we either don't eat the cake and are upset and depressed that we didn't give ourselves the cake or we eat the cake and then we beat ourselves up because we weren't strong enough to resist the cake. She says, I suggest this. If you want the cake, eat the cake, enjoy it, savor it, be happy you took the cake. And then get back next, walk a little extra, do something else, get back on the program yeah. or don't eat the cake and be proud of yourself that you didn't eat the cake. Give yourself a pat on the back. Be glad that you resisted this and move forward. Yeah. What we do is we, we make it so we lose on either one yeah. versus winning on either one and I, that really struck me as i think we do that in a lot of things in life yeah, right i i have to stay at this job because i i have to support my family and i do that and i'm not saying you can't be unhappy but i like or you're working this job and you are supporting your family and you are doing that and i and i do think that I love the idea of finding that thing that brings you joy, but I'm a big believer in joy is where the journey is. Mm -hmm. The journey will give you joy, not necessarily the destination. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. That. <laughs> All right. Think, Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think having your mindset like is just such a key piece of it. And one of the things I use to change my mindset is music, actually. Well, that is a perfect get us back to it. So talk about that a little bit. So I, um, 
it's funny because I was like, he's going to ask me who my favorite musician is. And I'm not going to have an answer because like, I'm a product of the mixtape era, you know, like sure. there's just, I have so many like favorite songs. And then I thought, or maybe I have commitment issues. Maybe that's why I'm not in a relationship to <laughs> like, be that, but you are, this, you did say on your profile, you were searching, you were searching for love. Yeah. So you're searching for your soulmate and your music mate. Correct. Yes. <laughs> basically. And it's fun because this search, like a bunch of, if I want to do something, I'll create a playlist for it. Or I have a ton of concerts coming up that I'm, you know, that kind of come into the storyline. Music is, it's always on in my house. And I noticed that kind of the other day, I like to pull these like angel cards to kind of give me just tell me if I'm on the right track or give me like a new way of thinking of things. And this one that I pulled said, and when was the last time you danced? And I was like, like probably this morning when I was getting dressed because I constantly have music on. I mean, it's, I was talking to a friend the other day and um, they were processing something really deep. And I, this new country music album came out that's all like the beach and very like upbeat and so I had sent that um just we we exchanged music um and I sent that and I, I said turn off like I already know you're listening to heavy wham wham kind of music which is fine like I've I there are periods of time when I do that too and it helps get the emotions out but I was like put this on like just put something happy on and you know move your body a little bit because um, God, music can just, you know, process things for us and it works in the background constantly. And so, you know, I always tell people there's this funny story. I was flying on this plane and I'm sitting in the middle seat, which I hate. And the lady next to me is complaining about everything. I don't know her. She's just complaining to me about everything. The turbulence was so bad thank God we landed 10 minutes early. And I'm just like, I'm glad to be on the ground. And the captain comes on and says, we landed early. So we have to sit here for 10 minutes because it's not our time to be in our thing yet. And she goes, 10 minutes, we have to sit here. for." And I'm like, it's the same, whether we're up there in the turbulence or down here. So anyway, she turns on her phone and she starts getting text messages. And her ringtone for her texts was womp womp that like sad trumpet sound. Yeah. And I was like, all day long, this lady is listening to womp, 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 womp. Like that is doing something to your mindset, to your brain. Like, you know, the story that you just told about the cake, like no wonder everything is negative where she looks. So my ringtone is always like a really positive song. It's a love song. It's about calling in love. It's aligned with what I'm trying to see more of in my life not what I want to see less of. And yes, there's definitely a time and place. And I've done this a lot where I'll put on sad songs to like get the crying out, you know, it will help facilitate that. Um, but I don't want to wallow longer than I have to. And so that's when I'll put on, you know, songs that either remind me of something, you know, a concert that I went to, or just something that I, you know, like Pavlov's dog response, sure. like, I'm going to feel happy when I hear this. So I use music as like a meditation, as like a hypnosis, as a processing device, all these things. Um, and it has to depend on my mood or the mood that I'm striving for. So I'm not going to ask your favorite musician because, <laughs> but I am, or do you have a couple of go-to songs that you know if you are feeling a little blue that you can put this on and it's going to make you tap your feet and smile a little bit. Um, so I have a playlist that is like my, like pull me out of this darkness kind of playlist. One song that I play every time before I go on stage to perform um, stand-up comedy um, is Imagine Dragons. What's the song? <laughs> it just left my head, of course. Um, Imagine Dragons, uh, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. That's the song that I play every time on repeat, extremely loudly, because it talks about like adrenaline and it talks about like whatever it takes, I'm going to do that. Um, and then there's this song called I Like to Win 
by Sean Locke. Um, my, my son was listening to a dude, perfect YouTube video. And this song was playing in the background. And I was like, I need that song on my playlist. It's just, I like to win. And then there's like this marching band that plays these drums. And I mean, you can't feel like a failure. You can't get pumped up and ready to crush your goals. If you listen to either of those songs, you can't not be totally inspired. Those are my two like go-to songs. I love it. Those are great. (laughs) How did you go from coaching to comedy? So comedy was a way for me to get outside my comfort zone. Um, I always wanted to do stand-up comedy. I went to this luncheon like 10 or 15 years ago and the woman wrote a book called What Would You Do If You Had No Fear? And we went around and I said, I would travel the world performing stand-up comedy because I was petrified of flying and I was um, petrified of getting up and just nobody laughing and looking like a total jerk. So that was, when I, when I said that, I realized, oh, the only thing stopping me is fear. I can do this. I know, you know, I, I was voted best sense of humor in high school. So I knew that people would get, you know, the funniness. I just had to do it. And so, um, I signed up for a class and it was a six week class that you would write your set together. And then there would be a performance with all the friends and family, like a hundred people and you, they'd come. And so mostly it, it be, I have this a growth mindset. I am like one of my highest top core values is growth. Um, I'm always reading something or enrolled in a course or working with a coach or all three. And so it was kind of like, this is something I want to do. I have to do this. You know, Tony Robbins says, if you can't, you must like, if, if I can't, I'm like, I can't do it. Well, you got to do it. So, um, I, I signed up, I did the course. People weren't really getting my jokes in the class because like, if I told you the jokes now, I've been invited to do zoom comedy. I'm like, no, because a big piece of it, just like with concerts is the energy, the people, the alcohol, the, you know, like everyone's excited to be out. Um, and so when I performed for the first time, you know, I got a standing ovation and I got all this positive feedback. One lady came up and wanted to take a picture with me. She's like, for when you're famous, you know, I got like all this positive. And I thought, wow, like I had no idea that I could be good at this and you won't know until you try. And so, um, that was something that I did that I started actually when I was an attorney as a hobby. Um, you know, I think everybody, like you said, like finding the joy in life, like everybody should have a hobby, everybody, you know? Um, and so I started doing that and then I, I, you know, I've been doing it for 10 years now. So I slowly kind of made it more of what I was doing and who I was. I entered some competitions and, um, started writing more and saying yes to all the opportunities that I mean, I said no to a couple, but like, for the most part, I just, every time I felt like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I was like, Nope, you got to do that. So. And how often do you perform? So, um, I perform now probably like five or six times a year. I'm not, it's not my main focus in this moment. Um, my big goal was to perform on the Irvine improv stage, which is, you know, about 300 people. And once I did that, I was kind of like, Oh, I did that already. You need constantly to make bigger and bigger goals to work towards. Um, and in this moment, because I've been writing the podcast and I'm looking at like maybe making it into a sitcom, my focus has been on that, but, um, you know, stand up comedy is always a good avenue for all sorts of things. So you're making me think I should probably set a, another big goal. So let's talk about the podcast. Tell me a little about it. Um, so I had a previous podcast called Transformation Maven, and it was all things transformation. I interviewed people and I would have seasons and then I would go on hiatus. And the last you know, time that I went on hiatus with that one, I thought I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk a little bit about dating. I had never talked about, I talk about a lot of stuff. I share a lot of private stuff, but dating was never something that I felt like I wanted to open up about 
you know, I have two sons and I just want to be respectful to everybody and not embarrass myself, um, which is just inevitable. But, uh, I, I thought, well, I'm gonna do like one or two episodes on dating. I think that's a very, uh, like a place for personal, so much personal growth. And then we'll move on to a bunch of other topics. And I decided to hire a producer and I magically, um, connected with the, one of the producers for the bachelor Australia. And when I told him, so, you know, I have all these different ideas. Let me tell you all of them. And you tell me what we can do and what we can't do. He was like, I really like this bucket list idea. And it was, I'm going to go down a bucket list and do all these different stunts or things, ways to meet my person and um, make a story about it. So basically it's a storytelling podcast where people follow me on the journey of, you know, trying to find love. Um, And mostly it ends up being a lot of personal development and spirituality that happens. Um, and, and, And definitely comedy, you know, there's like, it's ridiculous trying to date in Orange County, California. So there's a lot of just ridiculous characters that I get to talk about. So I, I am seeing the Hallmark Channel movie. This, <laughs> I could see it happening right now. I think that's great. This is a great premise. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. How how often does the podcast come out? It comes out. So the first season was every week, but it was basically, it was my life in real time. And okay. I was like growing and chronicling it. So this season has been every other every other week. And it's okay. still like, oh my God, let me, t- you know, write about the date that I just went on. Um, so we're about to go on hiatus for summer. I'm going to go to a bunch of concerts and hopefully, you know, meet some interesting people at those concerts and then create season, season three. Um, but my goal is to get back to weekly. Um, if I can buy myself a little bit of time. Who are you going to see this summer? So I'm going to see Morgan Wallen on Friday in San Diego. And then I'm going to see Chris Stapleton in August in, um, Atlanta. And then I've, I've never, I've never been to like a two day festival, but in October, I'm going to a two day festival, um, to see like Eric church and a bunch of country artists lately. I'm on, I went to school in Colorado. So I grew up listening to, you know, guns and roses and Nirvana and all the eighties bands and then switched into the nineties. And then I went to college in Colorado and kind of got on this country kick that's not exclusively what I listen to, but I don't know. I, I really enjoy the atmosphere at um, the country music concerts, but that's new. Like I've before, I think last year, I hadn't really been to any country music concerts. Have you checked out Jason Isbell? No. Okay. I will. So, all right. Jason so uh, yeah, he uh, very Americana. Okay. Um, he's my new work. He's my new musical obsession. Oh, okay. Um, I, I'm not. Che- I'm not cheating on Bruce. We have an open relationship. <laughs> um, Jason was um, was part of the drive by truckers, okay. and he uh, got fired. Oh. Um, ended up doing a couple of bands, and then a couple of albums, and then um, got sober, and he's ten years sober. Uh, and uh, Southeastern was his breakthrough album, this first album he did after uh, Finding Sobriety. He is touring now. He has a brand new album called Weather Veins. Um, I think I think you'll like him. It's a little bit rock and roll, a little bit country, um, and he is a very, very um, gifted songwriter. Okay, awesome. I wrote it down. Yeah, yeah. I love um, Yeah. Um, you know, um, elephants um if we were vampires and cover me up would be a three that you know if i'm saying hey if you want to see three of the top hits those are three of them i I think you'll like them i think you'll like them a lot okay cool good um so what's next for you now that i've told you you've got to have a goal um but before that what what what's next what do you want what do you want to do now um it's interesting because i used to have a goal to be on saturday night live And, um, typically standup comedians, although there's a couple exceptions, weren't, uh, what they looked for. I took improv classes at groundlings, you know, which is kind of like Mm -hmm. a feeder into 
basically Saturday Night Live. Sure. Um, and then COVID hit and I was like, yeah, I don't know that that's the dream anymore. I don't know that I want to go live in New York. I, you know, I don't know. There's a, yeah. so I kind of took that off the table. Um, I have been working on like connecting with people uh, for the podcast to turn it into a sitcom. That has been the dream. But to your point that you made earlier about how do you know when to keep going and how do you know when to like detour basically? Um, you know, I, one of the things I have heard many times that I love is this or something better because it leaves space for God, the universe source, whatever to come in and show you a different path. And so, um, lately I've almost now that I think about it kind of shied away from setting too hard of a goal for myself in the, um, in the desire to remain open to possibilities, but I work best when I'm really gunning for something and then the universe can detour me. That's usually what happens. It'll be like, nope, you're going the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've had a number of people ask me about turning the story of my podcast into a book, like a lot of people. Um, and I feel like that might be the next goal is just to compile all that into a book. It seems weird because in this day and age, I mean, like it's, there's so many other things to do with your time. I feel like books are uh, kind of fading into the background. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you, do you think? I, I was going to say, um, you know, obviously you, you have a background in writing, though it may be briefs. Uh, it sounds like it's a scripted podcast more yeah. than an unscripted podcast. Yes. So there's a lot of there already. Um, I I think I think the universe might be telling you you need to tell your story. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a good way to put it. I, I think so. I think I think. I mean, I've I've loved visiting with you, and I I, I think it's a great story, and. Um, I, I think that might be, I think that might be what the universe is saying. Hey, there you go. You know what? I have to tell you the story because you just, so, um, I, I matched a guy on a dating app that I'd never, I've still to this day have not met, but I've talked to him, um, for like a year now. And one day I was sitting thinking, what is, what is my podcast for? What, why am I? putting all this time and effort into this podcast. And just in that moment, a song came through that he sent me unsolicited. Like he didn't know what was happening. He just sent a song yeah. and it was called the sound of a million dreams by David nail. Okay. And I played it and I listened to the lyrics and the lyrics said, I basically that I labor for hours in the hope that my voice will cut through all the noise and reach that one person that like really needs to hear this. And actually it's, it's a really good song because it talks about why he writes music. So, but I applied it to the podcast. Um, just, just if you can reach that one person. And I feel like you just kind of mirrored that back to me in like, yeah, Books might be dying out, but there might be someone out there that doesn't listen to podcasts and they might need the same inspiration or laughter or whatever it is that it provides them that um, that they aren't getting because they haven't discovered podcasts yet. Yeah, I, you know, we'd all, I mean, I would love to have more downloads. I would love to, you know, um, have bigger sponsors and all this other stuff. But the reality is getting an email like I did this morning from someone who was a guest on the podcast. And he said, Hey, I listened to it. I thought you did a great job of making me look good. And I think you're putting good out in the world, Jesse. And I think we need this was like, okay, you know, that's better than a thousand downloads. That's better than, you know, that's, and if you feel like you're making a difference, um, we all love that, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I take being a guest seriously. Like before this, I kind of asked, let me say something that's going to inspire somebody, you know, like I lit this like candle that like kind of has that kind of energy to it. It's like, I don't want to be here just for me. You know, I, I want to 
be of service. And so um, I think remembering that even if you're just touching one person and, you know, keeping someone company on their drive to work, whatever it is, um, so many people, like you said, need, they just need to feel, I mean, there's people that are making, you know, AI boyfriends and girlfriends now, like people need connection. So yeah, to feel like they're here with us, I don't know. That's kind of special. So you're right. Yeah. Why? How'd you pick the title? Um, so I was talking to my producer and I said, what about like dating scavenger hunt bucket list? You know, first it was going to be the Rachel Burt show. And he, we kind of were talking about like, I'm dating in my forties and I have this bucket list and there's points. And he was like, well, what about love before 100? And I was like, oh my God, yes, that's, that's it. That's absolutely it. So, um, you know, being in collaboration with the right people is always going to better whatever your goals are. So yeah, it was his, his kind of brainchild. I love that. I love that a lot. Um, sounds great. Um, all right. Um, What have I not asked you that I should have? What have you not asked me that you should have? Um, well, I feel like, um, musically, just to like really honor, you know, your listeners and yourself. Um, the, the concerts that I, the person whose concerts I've attended the most times yes, um, is Dave Matthews. Okay. Because when I was in college, he came there and I'd never heard of him, but my friend had, and he was recording his first music video and he needed people to come listen to his song and cheer and be the audience. So I was in the first Dave Matthews music video that was filmed in Boulder, the Fox theater. Very nice. Listen to his song. What would you say? At least 25 times over and over again, they played it. And from that moment, I was like, okay, I'm a lifer. And so I have probably been to, I don't know, 15 of his concerts, including the Red Rocks concert that he um, turned into a CD. So, oh, very nice. Yeah. So that may not be your favorite artist, but it has been the one you've seen the most live. Right. He was my favorite for a while. And then I don't know. What's that thing where you love an artist and then they get so big and then you decide you're not going to claim them as your favorite artist anymore? Is that like a Fairweather fan? I don't want to be that. No, I don't think it's a Fairweather fan. I do think there is a, um, and I do think musicians, um, your your relationship with them morphs and changes because you morph and change and you end up needing something different. I think that's one of the things that um, has made, at least based on all the people I've discussed with Bruce is over the years, he's changed, you know, the, the angry young man from darkness on the edge of town to, you know, superstar Bruce born in the USA to tunnel of love where he's, you know, in a marriage that's failing to on. And then the rising right after, you know, nine 11 and has continued to grow and and give us different and his latest album really is doing a lot with grief and death letter to you is and so um so i think that's partly and some musicians i don't not judging they don't change as much you know they aren't going through the past and so we move on and change yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay yeah that's that's an accurate description he was my favorite for a long time and i felt like this relationship with him basically right the crazy way but just kind of in a we like grew up together and then we kind of parted ways a little bit i haven't been to his concert in a long time it's just um not the like energy and environment that i you know crave anymore being older so who's someone you haven't seen that you wish you could you you wanted to see um and you still whether you have the ability you know yeah. yeah. No, I was thinking um, Tom Petty would have been just yeah. amazing. To see. I missed him too. I just, just never took the time to see him. And then, so I'm being a little strong more when someone comes by me and my wife are going, okay, I, you know, we need to kind of get this chance to see. So that's yeah. good. That is yeah. good. 
Yeah, very nice. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask you in a couple of minutes how people can reach you and have, find the podcast and let you plug. But before that, I've got to ask you the merry questions. So if you are a fan of Love Before 100 or you have been coached by Rachel and you're listening to this podcast, thank you for checking it out. I hope you check others. Uh, I end every podcast with the merry question. Jay Armstrong is a retired honors English teacher, but when he was teaching, he would print out the lyrics to Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. He would have all his high school seniors read it. They discuss it. They discuss the themes Bruce is covering. They choice his word choices. They would compare it to like Robert Frost, poems by Robert Frost and other American poets. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? So... What is your answer? Does Mary get in the car, Rachel? Well, I feel like based on how you now know me, you probably know what my answer is going to be okay. or what I would coach Mary to do. Yes. Um, but I, my hope is that she does get in the car. And so I have to believe uh, that she did get in the car. Very nice. Yeah, uh, I think, and that's why some people say she doesn't is because she's afraid of the change. She's afraid of taking that risk. And uh, when you choose something, there is a risk involved. And so, yeah, very nice. All right. So if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? Um, Instagram is great. I get messages from people. I always reply to their messages. Um, The Rachel Birch or Love Before 100, either one. Um, And then if they want to listen to the podcast. It's on all the podcasting platforms. So wherever you listen to this, to Jesse's podcast, you can listen to mine. Um, and yeah, uh, I think those are the best. Best. All ones. right. So in a year, you'll come back and you'll promote the book. Yeah. <laughs> the <sitcom. laughs> uh, I, or the sitcom. That's absolutely great. I, I love this. Um, this has been wonderful. I, I just really have enjoyed talking to you. I, I think you're a joy. And uh, I'm glad you took time to visit with me. Yeah, I got so much out of it. It was my pleasure. Well, thank you very much. All right, listeners, go check out the podcast. Go check out uh, her website. Go to check her out on Instagram. And uh, let her know you heard about it here on Set Lusting Bruce. Uh, For now, everyone, be safe, be kind, and we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, So if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce.
the theme for Set Lessig Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.